Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to pick up before I go into the next point. I just want to pick up on something I talked about this morning. Go back with me to Romans chapter Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. I, uh, I could have said this this morning and, and somehow I let it slip me. And I, I want to make this clarification because people, when they're learning about the faith life, uh, sometimes misunderstand some things and, and misapply things. And, uh, and then they, they, they think they're acting on the word. They think they're doing what the Bible says, but they're not. And then when it doesn't turn out right, then they get frustrated and uh, it says in verse number 17, and we, if you were here this morning, you heard the context, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what God does. That's how God uses his faith. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what we're instructed to do. We're instructed to call those things which do not exist as though they did. Jesus said it in another uh, uh, place. He said it like this. He said, uh, uh, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he says will be done. Well, what what is that? That's calling those things which are not as though they are. Things that do not exist as though they did exist. He said, whoever will do that and will speak to the mountain, be removed. Another place, he said it like this. He He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this, to this uh, sycamine tree or whatever, mulberry tree, I think. He said, be plucked up by the roots and be cast into the sea. He said, and it will obey you because that's that principle of saying what you believe before you see anything, before you see any evidence, you say it and God acts on that. But here's, here's where uh, Christians in their in their. Uh, early walk in faith. This is where Christians very often miss it. They, they misunderstand that and they, instead of calling things which do not exist as though they did, they start calling things that do exist as though it did not. We'll say that again. Instead of calling things that do, do not exist as though they did, they start calling things that do, that do exist as though they did not. That's not what it said. Very often people will say, well, you know, I don't have cancer. I don't have a cold. You got snot running down your face. I don't have a cold. I'm not sick. That's not what Jesus said. He said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed. He didn't say you deny the mountain. It's not saying the mountain's not there. He said, you speak to it and you believe that what you say will come to pass and you will have what you say. So we're not... The point is we don't deny natural realities. We don't deny the fact 
of what's going on. Instead, we claim a higher fact than that. We look to some, we look to that other realm and we say, I am healed of this cold. Do you see the difference in that? And, and people get tripped up with that and then certainly people don't understand whenever, you, whenever you've obviously got something going on. You're like, nope, I don't have it. It's like sticking your head in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist. That's not what the Bible teaches. You take your words and you say, even though I feel bad, even though the doctor's given me this diagnosis, even though I have this financial need in my life, I say that by his stripes, I am healed of this disease. I say by, I'm not denying that the disease is present in my body. I'm just claiming that by faith that I am healed. I'm calling those things which are not, that do not exist as though they did. You see the difference? Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Now let's, uh, tonight, let's look at, uh, uh, we're in Romans here. Let's go back a few verses. And let's look at the third verse in Romans 4. It says, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I love one particular translation. I got a hold of this translation years ago, the Barclay translation, and I love the way it's, it renders this verse. It says, Abraham took God at his word, and that act of faith was, was accepted as putting him into a right relationship with God. And when I read that, that, that Abraham took God at his word and that was an act of faith. Faith is taking God at his word. Whatever his word says, that's what he said. He, Abraham believed according to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. He took God at his word. But here's the, here's the thing I want you to see. It was an act of faith. Every Victory you will ever have in faith, you will have when you act on what you believe. Acting on what you believe. That very often is the missing ingredient because people fail to act like they really believe what they say they believe. Go with me over to James and let's look at the second chapter of James James chapter two, verse number, let's start in verse number 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now when you talk about works in the New Testament, most of the time uh, when the Bible talks about works, when the New Testament talks about works, it's talking about religious acts 
that a person does in order to make him, in an attempt to make himself right with God. And we know that we are not saved by works, we're saved by faith. So in that, in that sense, we, we, don't, we don't practice works. In that sense, works, does not, works do not help us, works hinder us. Because if a person is depending on his good, his good works to get him into heaven or to purchase his salvation or to make God love him, or didn't, he's missing the mark completely. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Isn't that what it says? So faith that's that saving faith isn't a matter of doing works or doing uh, uh, penance or, or trying to uh, live in a certain way in order to earn God's favor. But now after a person is born again and he has received salvation strictly on the basis of faith. You'll notice when I give invitations on Sunday, because uh, we have visitors, you know, most often on Sunday morning, I, I will say, you know, if you're going to come and be born again, you have to come and believe that you have nothing to do with your salvation. It's all what Jesus did. If you're trusting in anything in yourself, your goodness, your heritage, your family, or what anything, if you're trusting any of those things, then you're not trusting Jesus. You have to lay all of that aside. You have to lay all of your good works, all of your merits, all of the things that, that you might have done good. You lay them all down. And you say, I don't believe in any of those things to save me. I'm not relying on them in one sense of the word, not at all. All my faith is in what Jesus did. But after a person is born again, then works become important, but they're not works unto salvation. They're works resulting from salvation. And so the Bible says that God has purchased for himself a people zealous of good works. Again, not in order to save us, but as a result of being saved, we want to serve God. We want to do good. We want to do what's right. We want to please God. I'm not trying to please God in order to purchase my salvation. I'm wanting to please God because I am saved, because he loved me, because Jesus came and paid the price for my salvation. And I owe him everything. I want to live in a way that brings honor to him. Because I love him, I'm not trying to get something from him. I'm, I'm offering my life up before him, like I've said earlier, as a living sacrifice. Those are works that result from salvation, and that's what he's talking about here. And so he says that, uh, so then faith by itself, if it does not have these kinds of works, one translation, I don't remember which one it is, says I thought I might have written down. One translation says, he who does not have actions that correspond with his faith. So works, as it's, as it's used here, you can, you can use that phrase, corresponding actions. Because if you really believe something, you will act accordingly. For instance, someone who says, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's no change in their life. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't leave off sin. They don't, they, they say, well, I'm, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, I can just live any way I want to. I believe Jesus died for me and, and my sins are forgiven. And so I can just live any way I want to. I question seriously, I'm not the judge and neither are you, but I, I question a person's salvation. If there's not, if there's not some action because you believe, in response to your faith, if you don't add some corresponding actions with it, then I question whether you really have anything from God. So that's what this is talking about. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. Someone will say, well, let's read on. You have faith and I have works. Show me, show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. By my correspondence, not, not works unto salvation, but works that result, result from it. I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my corresponding actions. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? If you remember the story of Isaac, uh, when Isaac, uh, the Lord told Abraham, he said, I want you to take your son Isaac. Now remember, Isaac was the son, we talked about this morning, the son of promise that he received at a hundred years of age. His wife was 90, Sarah was 90 years old. They had a child miraculously. And uh, so when uh, a time came, God told Abraham, he said, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to go to a certain place and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. And so Abraham took his son Isaac and they journeyed to this place and Abraham knew that, that God had given him this son and that he had promised that through, through Isaac, his seed would be blessed and would fill the earth and that, that, that from Isaac would, would spring this multitudes all over the world. And here God is saying, I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead if necessary. Because he knew that God had promised him uh, descendants through, Abraham, through, through Isaac and yet here God is saying, I want you to offer Isaac. What was, what was Abraham doing? He was acting his faith. He was acting according to that which he heard. And the Bible, the Bible said that, that, that Abraham got so far as drawing his knife when, when the angel of the Lord spoke to him and called out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. I've prepared, I've prepared a sacrifice and there was a ram caught in the, in the bushes. But what Abraham demonstrated was that he was going to act on the word no matter what. He was going to even be willing to sacrifice his son, kill his son because God said it and at the same time knew that God had to raise him up because he was the son of promise. 
So what, what Abraham did, his faith in God was perfected. He had to come to a place where his faith was perfected by being willing to act on what he knew. Being, de- being willing to act in line with the word of God. So that's what faith does. Faith is, is, is an act. It's a, it's a something that you believe. It's a spiritual transaction that you have between you and God. You believe, but it's also very much an act. Faith without corresponding actions. Let's continue reading. He says, uh, and the scripture which was fulfilled, verse 23, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only, by corresponding actions. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by corresponding actions when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without corresponding actions is dead also. The area where people miss it very often is they get their believing right and they get their talking right, but their actions don't line up with what they believe and what they say. Because if you believe you have received, you're going to act like you have received. You're going to act like it. Let's look at some Bible examples of this. Go with me over to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Acts 14. Hallelujah. In verse 7, the previous verse mentions some cities in the surrounding region. And it says that Paul, they, in verse 17, or verse 7, excuse me, they were preaching the word. Paul and his companions were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet, was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Now, he goes into detail, the Spirit of God goes into detail in describing how helpless this man was. He was a cripple from his mother's womb, in other words, from birth, and he had never walked. He had no strength in his feet. This man who was crippled, who had never walked, heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Now, the thing that that I want you to see is that Paul, while he was preaching, he, he observed this particular man, and he perceived that the man had faith to be healed. And yet he was still, the man was still crippled. The man had not walked and he had faith to be healed. See, that tells us that you can have genuine faith, but in order for you to seal the transaction, you have to do something. He had faith to be healed. There was nothing wrong with this man's faith. So often there's nothing wrong with people's faith. What they lack is action. 
They lack corresponding actions. They even sometimes they're saying the right things. Now, saying the right things is, is usually a large part of corresponding actions, but it's not always everything. This man had faith to be healed, but he was still crippled. So when Paul realized that, Paul realized the man needed to do something. Not as a, not as a form of trying to uh, justify himself or make himself right, but he needed to act on what he believed. Now we're gonna re- read several examples tonight and in every, every one of these examples, the Lord said what he was supposed to do. If you are in a situation where you have used your faith, you believe something that that you need, that you see from the scriptures, it belongs to you, and so you take it by faith and you believe you receive it and you start talking right. If you will stay open to the Holy Ghost, he will tell you what to do to act on your faith. This particular situation, the Spirit of God had Paul tell the man what to do. He had faith to be healed, but he was still crippled. And so the spirit of God through the apostle Paul said, stand up straight on your feet. Now this man had a choice at this point. He had a decision to make. Someone could say, how rude of the apostle Paul. How rude, how unkind. Do you not know the man is crippled? He's never walked. And here you are saying, hey, buddy, stand up on your feet. What's wrong with you, Paul? Can't you see he's crippled? If he could stand on his feet, he'd already been standing on his feet. No, Paul was was offering him an opportunity to act. He said, stand up straight on your feet. He didn't say grab somebody and, and, and have them help you up and hold on to two people. He said, on your own, stand up straight. Get up. And he leaped. He leaped. Faith, real faith has a leap in it. Real faith is is ready to act. Now wait until you hear what God says. Wait until you know how you're supposed to act. Like I said, in every one of the examples, we're gonna see God told them exactly how to act. And in this particular place, the spirit of God speaking through the apostle Paul said, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. Now, he could not, in the natural, he could not leap. He could not walk. He had never walked. He didn't have the ability. He had, it says right here in the text, that he had no strength in his feet. He didn't have the ability to do what God said do. But when he leaped, when he acted, when he put whatever effort he could into it and just did, when he stirred himself up and attempted to get up, the power of God came into him, glory to God, and he not only jumped up, he walked, praise God. Hallelujah. Faith always requires some kind of action. 
I've never been able to receive an, uh, uh, an answer. I've never been able to receive a miracle. I've never been able to receive a healing. I've never been able to see, receive a financial blessing without doing something to show God that not just to show him, but to, but to put action and to put corresponding actions to what I believe. If I believe it, then I'm going to act like it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to uh, Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Hallelujah. This will help you. Luke chapter five. Verse number 17 says, verse 17 says, now it happened on a certain day as he, Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. I said this this morning, you know, here was a man that he was so determined to get before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ, he was willing to let somebody, I mean, who does that? He's on a bed, he's crippled, and he allows people to hoist him up on the roof of this house and then proceed to tear a hole in the roof and then let him down. I suppose with ropes, they let his, his bed down in the middle of this room where Jesus is teaching. Who does that? Hungry, a hungry person does that. Someone who wants God in his life and who wants the blessing of God, they're willing to pay any price. And then, like I said this morning, some people stay out of church. Well, it was raining. I, I don't go out when it's raining. Well, yes, you do. That's just an excuse. You go out when it's raining. You do other things when it's raining. Oh, I couldn't come to church yesterday. I, I just felt so bad. But yet you went to the doctor on Monday. Now, I'm not, I'm not against going to the doctor, but if you can go to the doctor, you can come to church. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe not. <laughs> I said this morning, I said, we're gonna have a, a, a service tonight. We're gonna teach more on faith. There are people in, there, there were people in the congregation this morning that needed to hear that and they didn't come back. They didn't come back because they don't, they don't do church on Sunday night. It's just not what they do. Well, the truth of the matter is they'll do without. That was weak, but it's true. It's a weak response. I know you didn't like to hear that, but it's true. If you're not going to, to reach for the things of God, you'll never have the things of God. If you, only, if you only want what you can get conveniently and that fits into your little mold and into your schedule and you're not willing to put yourself out on out any, you'll never really have the choice blessings of God. You'll never go deep in the things of God. Amen. Here was a man who was willing to let people hoist him up on the roof 
and put him and tear a hole in the roof and let him down before Jesus? Now, somebody might say, yeah, well, that, you know, if you were Jesus, I'd come back on Sunday night. I mean, this was Jesus of Nazareth. This was, this was a happening place where this man went. And you know, if it, it's just not that good there. I'm gonna tell you something. Not every place Jesus ministered was at all that good. I said not every place. Jesus, Jesus was the same everywhere, but the places were different. This was not uh, the greatest environment. There were people there who were hungry. There were people there who were out to get Jesus. Who was there? It says, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. They were not there to be blessed. They were there to find fault. This was not a place of unity. This is not a place where the glory of God was in manifestation. There were people there with bad attitudes, bad motives. They were out to catch Jesus in his words. I'm telling you, this wasn't a happening place. This wasn't all that, all that exciting an environment to be in. There was unbelief present. I mean, you could probably cut a chunk out of it. It was so thick in the air. Unbelief, doubt. And, and it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Well, the power of the Lord was present to heal them because Jesus was there and he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. The power of the Lord was present to heal. That doesn't mean they felt anything. There's no evidence that people walked in and went, whoa, whoo, the power of God is strong. The force is strong in here tonight. <laughs> There's no evidence of that. And we know that there's no evidence of because it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them and none of them got healed. Who was the present, who was the power of the Lord present to heal? All of those people who were there, it was said that was a crowd. It included the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the scribes and so forth. The power of the Lord was present to heal all of that mob, all of that people and not one of them for whom the power of the Lord was present to heal, not one of them got healed. A, a man was healed that wasn't even there yet. It said the power of the Lord was present to heal them and this man hadn't even showed up. So it wasn't that great a meeting. That excuse won't fly. Amen. The power of the Lord was present because Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power and nobody there appreciated it. Everybody in that crowd was, they were just lookers. They were either antagonistic or they were just checking things out. There was not an ounce of faith in any of them. Not exactly a, a, a great moving service. But there was one man who was determined to have his miracle. And even though the power of the Lord was present to heal them, none of them got healed, but he got healed. A man who came after, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's why very often, uh, you know, when, when I'm ministering to people and other people minister and they'll call out some particular uh, uh, illness and they'll say, you know, the Lord wants to heal so-and-so and several people come up. 
Well, sometimes the Lord is speaking about several people, but sometimes the Lord has one particular person and I'll know when they stand in front of me, oh yeah, you're the one. You're the one that God was talking about. Boy, the other people get in on it. Well, this man got in on healing. This this healing really wasn't uh, present to heal him. It was present to heal this other people, but his faith got in on it. Because of his faith, he laid hold of a blessing that was for somebody else. They didn't want it, but he did. So they laid him down uh, through the through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, not only the man's faith, but their faith, it takes a lot of faith to do that. Amen. He said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this? Who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise Take up your bed and go to your house. Again, notice that the corresponding actions he needed, God told him what to do. I'm going to say it again. In any situation in life where you are believing God, stay, keep your ears open, keep listening until you hear what God says for you to do. Don't just do what somebody else did. Don't just do what somebody else did. We, we, we have the story of Kenneth Hagin. When he was on the bed of sickness, you know, he was paralyzed. He had all of these uh, 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 diseases and deformities in his chest cavity. And he had been almost completely paralyzed. But uh, over time, he had gained some of the use of his upper body. But his, his, from his waist down, he was still paralyzed. And, and he was praying. He had been, he had been sort of... Uh, wrestling with Mark eleven twenty four, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And he went to the Lord, this particular was on a Tuesday. And, and uh, he, he went to the Lord, he said, Lord, he said, I, I'm telling you, you, the Bible says whatever things you desire, I desire to be well, I desire to have a healthy body. When you pray, he said, Lord, I've prayed. Believe you receive them. He says, Lord, I've belie- I believe I've received them but it's not working. And he said this, he said, Lord Jesus, if you appeared to me in the flesh, if you materialized in my bedroom and I could reach out my hand and and touch your hand and you've were to say to me, son, your problem is you don't have faith. He said, I'd have to say, Lord Jesus, you're lying about it. I do have faith. When he said that, the Lord said to him by the spirit on the inside, not something with an audible voice, but on the inside, he, the Lord said, yeah, you believe all right as far as you know. That's the, that's the problem a lot of people have. They're believing as far as they know. Sometimes people will say to me, I'm doing all I know to do. Well, maybe you just don't know enough. You can't believe beyond actual knowledge. Don't give up, stay before God in prayer. Keep your ears open. Your spiritual ears, I'm talking about. Keep your spiritual ears open. And and the Lord said, yeah, you believe me all right 
as far as you know. And then he said, but notice the rest of that, that verse, that next clause goes with that verse. And it says, and you shall have them. Now it's interesting to me, he doesn't, Brother Hagin never recorded that the Holy Spirit went into a, an explanation. He just said, by the Spirit, and you shall have them. That goes with it. Well, well, so what does that? He said he saw it. That's revelation knowledge. Holy Spirit didn't explain it. He just said, notice the rest of that clause, the, the, the final part of that goes with that verse. Believe you receive it and you shall have it. When the Holy Spirit said that, he revealed it to him. And he said, ah, I see it. I see it. Now I see it. I've been waiting and looking at my body, waiting on some change in my body. Now I see. I have to believe I receive it before my body changes. And he said he made that adjustment. And he said, I thank you, Lord. Now I'm healed. Glory to God. I believe I've received my healing. I am healed. And the devil immediately started saying, now you're lying. Brother Hagin tells that story. He said the devil started talking and said, now you've gone to lying. You, you say you're healed, you know you're not healed. Look at your body. And, and, and Brother Hagin said, no, I told the devil, I'm not lying. If anybody's lying, you're lying because God said I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. I'm not looking at my body anymore. I'm healed, praise God. And he said he started, he lifted his hands. He'd never seen anybody in his life lift his hands. He went to a church where they didn't do that. And so he'd never seen anybody, but he just was unconsciously led, laying in bed. He lifted his hands and just started saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I know I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. Glory to God. And the whole time the devil's talking to him, said, you're not healed. Look at your body. Look at your legs. Look at yourself. You're not healed. I'm not looking, he said, at, at what I see. I'm not looking at how I feel. I'm thanking God I'm healed. He said he did that for about 10 minutes. Then he said the spirit of God spoke to him. Again, see, that's where problem, where people have the problem. They run off without, without getting that final instruction from the Lord. The Lord was about to tell him how to act. And the Lord said, so you're healed now. He said, healed people ought to be out of bed at 10 o'clock in the morning. What was he doing? He was telling him how to put corresponding action. And Brother Hagin said, he said, you know, that's right. If I believe I'm healed, I ought to be out of bed. So he, he took his legs and he, and he sort of slung them off the, you know, the feet, his feet off the bed and took his other leg and slung. And he said, his, his feet hit the floor like a couple of chunks of wood. He said, I knew they were on the floor because I could see them. I couldn't feel them. I couldn't feel them hit the floor, but I knew they were down there because I could see them. And so he said, he was, he said, healed people need to be out of bed. So corresponding actions, he grabbed that head post of that bed, that bed post, and he kind of pulled himself up out of bed and he said he just sagged at the knees because he didn't have any strength and he, he, was, he was paralyzed. He didn't say I'm not paralyzed, he said I am healed. He's not calling things that exist as though they do not exist, he's calling things that do not exist as though they did. He didn't say I'm not paralyzed, he said I am healed. And so 
uh, the, the devil was right there talking to him. He said, now you, you, you do that and you're going to fall in the floor. He said, don't you remember? It hasn't been but a week ago. You fell out of bed and you had to wait, you know, several hours for somebody to come in and get you out of bed. He said, your, your, your grandpa, grandpa's at work. There are no men near your house to help. And your mother is sickly and your grandmother's old and they can't, they can't pick you up. And you're going to lay here until five o'clock in the afternoon till your grandpa comes home and gets you up out of bed. That's what you're going to do. You're going to lay here on this floor. He said he just ignored him, just ignored the devil, grabbed hold of that post, pulled himself up out of bed and just sagged. And he said the room started spinning around. And the whole time he said he, he managed to get one hand in the air. He's holding on to that bed post. He got one hand in the air and he said, I just want to thank you, Father, that I am healed. Thank you for healing me. Glory to God. What's he doing? He's putting action to his faith. The same thing that happened to the man when he said, stand upright on your feet. What did he do? He leaped. He, he put action to it. So when Brother Hagin put action to it, he said the room started spinning around because he'd been flat on his back for 16 months. So just getting up, you know, caused him to get dizzy. And he said the room started spinning. So he just closed his eyes. And he said it, it seemed like everything in the room was, was the furniture was just going around him, you know. And he did that for a few moments until he, he kind of sensed with his eyes closed that everything had, had settled. So he opened his eyes and everything was normal in the room. He said, and then he said, the power of God came on him and feeling returned to his, to his legs. And he, he could feel the, the, all of the nerves in his legs beginning to get re-energized. And he, he just stood up for the first time in, in all of those months, 16 months, I think he'd been bedfast, paralyzed. And he's just standing there. Now, 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 notice this. He said he walked around the room and he held on to furniture, little different pieces of furniture and walked around. He hadn't walked. And now he's walking. He's not walking great, but he's walking. And it says he walked around the room and held on to pieces of furniture and he did that and then he got back in bed. He was acting on what he knew to do, but he didn't have strength yet to do more. He was doing what he could do and he was, and it was the first time he'd walked. He said he stayed in bed and the next morning he got up and did the same thing. Only this time he walked around the room longer. He's walking by faith. He said he walked around the room that second morning and he walked around longer. And then that night he told his mother, he said, I want you to lay some clothes out for me because in the morning I'm coming down to eat breakfast. She said she looked at him like she thought he was crazy, but she didn't say anything. She thought, you're going to do what? Because she didn't know what had been taking place in that room. So on the third morning, he got up and got dressed and walked down to the breakfast table. Glory to God. Walking on his own strength. And his, and his, and his grandpa said, well, is Lazarus raised up from the dead? <laughs> and Brother Hagin said, yep, Lazarus is raised up. I'm healed, praise God. He went and had breakfast. On Saturday, that would have been on Thursday, on Saturday, he got up, got dressed and walked down to the courthouse, the square downtown in front of the courthouse and walked around town. Glory to God. Listen, what was he doing? He was following the leading of the spirit. The spirit said, you need to be out of bed. If you're healed, you need to be up. And so he simply acted on what he knew to do. And God came through. So he said he went down and had breakfast on Thursday. He said, I've been going down and having breakfast every morning since. <laughs> Glory to God.
Well, well, let's, let's go back to this story. He said to the man who was paralyzed, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Again, a, a, a critical person could say, well, Jesus, here's all these people here and this man is, is paralyzed, he, he's crippled, he can't get it. And you're telling him in, all, in front of all these people, how cruel can you be? How mean, how cruel, this man can't get up. Jesus said, get up, pick up your bed and go to your house. And the man acted on what? On the instructions Jesus gave him. Again, in every situation, God gave instruction and told them how to act. He said, immediately, he rose up before them. He couldn't, how could he do that? He did it by faith. It was an act of faith. He got up as an act of faith. He put his effort to it. And when he did, he was able to get up, which he had not been able to do. He got up before them, took up his bed and left to his own house glorifying God. And verse 26 says, they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. I'm telling you, the world needs to see some strange things today. Very often your miracle is just hovering there waiting on you to act. But again, don't act on what somebody else did. Act on what the Lord tells you to do. The Lord didn't tell Brother Hagin to get up and go down to breakfast. He didn't tell him to go to the courthouse. He said, get out of bed. And he did that. And when he did it, he was able to walk around the room. Praise God. He stayed in his room the rest of the day. And the next morning, he did it again. After he woke up, he said, I'm doing this again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Go with me to Mark chapter three. We'll, we'll close. There's a lot of examples here. Mark chapter three. It's a great one. Mark chapter three. Jesus entered the synagogue. This is verse one. There was a man there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Now the man, could, he, could, he could stand up. There wasn't anything wrong with his legs. He just had a, a withered hand. According to uh, uh, Kenneth Wiest, who was a Greek uh, authority, Greek scholar, he said this hand was not his withered hand was not congenital, but it was evident, according to the Greek, it indicates that it was the result of accident or disease. Weiss translates it, uh, there was a man there whose hand had withered. Something had happened to his hand and it was withered. He could no longer use it. We would say it had atrophied. And the Lord said to the man with, with this withered hand, he said, step forward. And so he did. And he said to the rest of them, he said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Another wonderful climate. Another wonderful atmosphere, Jesus. Met. Oh, it was just glorious everywhere he went. No, it wasn't. You could, you could, you could strip the unbelief off the wall. They kept, they didn't even answer. They just sat there silently. 
when he had looked around them with anger. Oh, Lord. Does Jesus get angry at church? I don't know. He looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. Now, Edersheim, in his his book on the life and times of, of Jesus the Messiah, he said, according to the Greek, that it, it indicates that his hand was restored as he stretched it out. So when it says he stretched out his hand, it, it really says, and then he, he, he said he stretched it out. He said, according to the Greek, as he stretched it out, his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now notice, again, Jesus gave the instruction. He told this man exactly how to act. He said, stretch out your hand. And he could have argued, well, Lord Jesus, you see my hand. I can't stretch it out. It's withered. The man who, who had been let down through the, through the roof, Jesus said, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. He could have answered, well, I, if I could, I would, but you can see I can. I've never walked. I'm crippled. How can I? I can't do that. Your natural mind will try to argue with you and talk you out of doing what God says to do. God will always give you instruction if you'll wait and listen. In every one of these cases, the Lord said what to do. God was speaking through the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks to us by his spirit. The Lord Jesus and God the Father speak to us today on the inside by our spirit. And he will tell you what you need to do. And if you'll do what he says to do, if you're believing, if you have faith to be healed, if you have faith, whatever it is, Whatever it is, put corresponding actions. If you're believing for your children, put corresponding actions and raise them right. You can't expect God to bless your family and and have children that are serving God if you don't set the right example before them and you don't insist that they live right. That's putting corresponding actions. And we have it in the word of God. Train up your children. It doesn't say tell them about church. It says train them up in the way they should go. Instruct them and make sure they do it. Never gave my children an option whether they go to church or not. That was never even discussed in my household. Well, you were the preacher. That's why I know preachers that don't do it. And I know a bunch of preachers whose kids aren't living for God. Am I meddling here a little bit? Good. I know a lot of preachers who've lost their kids. Whatever it is you're believing God for, put corresponding actions with that. And some things you have, you know what to do. You don't need the spirit to tell you what to do. You already know what to do. And if you're not going to put corresponding actions to what you believe, it's not going to work. Well, I'm believing God to meet my needs, and I, but, but you don't tithe. You don't give offerings. You're not generous. You don't, when the, when the spirit of God, there are, did you know, my wife tells me this, I, I can't hardly believe it, but I know she knows what she's talking about. There are people, when we have a guest speaker who will stay home because they don't want to call, they don't want the, the opportunity to give. Well, I wasn't there, I'm not responsible. Yes, you are. If God calls a guest speaker into this church, we're all responsible to give to it. 
Well, I'm just going to stay home so it doesn't, doesn't apply to me. It applies to you whether you're home or here. There are people who will intentionally, I, you wouldn't hardly believe this, Zach. There are people who intentionally will leave their checkbook at home. So they say, well, I didn't have my checkbook. And then wonder why God doesn't bless them. Well, praise the Lord. It's the pastor here talking, I'm telling you. If you're not going to put corresponding actions to, and, and like I said, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you some things because you already know to tithe and give offerings. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's true. Let's go back to the man with the hand. It's not quite as somber when I was talking about him. He said, stretch out your hand. And instead of saying, well, I can't stretch out my hand. My hand is withered. He stretched it out. And as he stretched it out, his hand was restored as whole as the other. God will always tell you what to do. Many times he's already told you. But in something that, that requires further instruction, he will tell you. Without taking the time today, you remember the, the 10 lepers that came to Jesus. Oh, they came, they, they, the Bible says they stood afar off and called out to Jesus, have mercy, son of David. The reason they were standing afar off is they were required by the law to stand. They were very contagious. And the law of Moses stipulated that a leper could not come into the, into the camp, into the community of Israel. They had to live in, the, in, in self-imposed isolation. We hear a lot about that today. They were in self-imposed isolation, living out. And so when they came around, they had to, they had to stay away from people, had to stay off. And they had to announce that they were, that they were lepers. So they saw Jesus and they called out from afar, Jesus have mercy. Jesus didn't even go over there where they were. He didn't even walk over to them and put his hand on them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if you look at, at, at Leviticus chapter 14, you'll see that when a leper, uh, when a person in Israel had leprosy, in, in Leviticus 14, it says, when the leprosy has been healed, then they go and show themselves to the priest and the priest examines them. And if the leprosy is gone, then he goes through a ceremonial cleansing. Now, they're already healed before this happens. You don't go show yourself to the priest until you're healed. And then when the, when the priest verifies that he's healed, then the priest shakes a bunch of things and dips his finger and does, puts blood and oil and does all kinds of stuff, you know, and pronounces him clean. That's just a ceremony. But he's already healed. You don't go show yourself to the priest until you're healed. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. What was he doing? He was giving them corresponding actions. He told them what to do. They wouldn't have known to do that because how can you go to the priest? Where I can't go to the priest. I've got leprosy. If, if they had gone to the priest with leprosy, they would have been stoned. They would have been put to death. You can't do that. You go to the priest after you're healed. Jesus said, you go. And the Bible says that as they went, as they put action to their faith, they were, they were healed of leprosy. Glory to God. Over and over and over again, you see 
corresponding actions you have to do. You have to act like what you believe is true. If you believe you're healed, you will act like it. That doesn't necessarily mean, unless the Lord tells you to, that doesn't necessarily mean that you stop taking your medicine. I said not necessarily. You act like you're healed the way God tells you to act. Whatever he tells you to do, that do. Just do what he says to do. And if you still have to take medication for the discomfort or the pain, what of it? Somebody came up in the prayer line that said, I, I, I believe I'm healed, but I want these symptoms to go. I said, well, what about the symptoms? Just laugh at them. Just act like you're healed. And if, and if, you, and if you have to take something to, to relieve the, the discomfort, we'll, we'll do that. But take it in faith. Just say, I'm, you know, this, this is just having, I'm just dealing with a symptom here. I believe I'm healed. Sometimes it means changing your plans. Changing your plans. I was struggling with arthritis in my knee. And we had an opportunity to go skiing. And I, and I could barely walk. Just, just I'm talking about this last trip. What am I gonna do? Am I, not, am I gonna go ski? If I'm healed, I'm gonna go skiing. I would ordinarily. Every chance I get, I'm gonna go. So we have this ski trip planned. Oh, brother. What am I going to do now? I'm going to act like I'm healed. We went out there skiing. I never had one problem with my knee. I never had pain in my knee. I never had any difficulty skiing. I had some problems with my feet, but that was unrelated. That's because my boots weren't fitting right, but that was another thing. I figured that Greg helped me figure that out. But anyway, I got that resolved. But my knee didn't, my knee didn't bother me at all. And, and for, for a long period of time before then, I, I had pain every day. What did I do? I acted on what I, what I knew to do. If I'm healed, I'm going skiing. Praise the Lord. Corresponding actions are required if you're gonna see God's healing power in your life. If you're gonna see the answer to your prayer, you're gonna act on what you know, on what you would do otherwise, you're gonna do it. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up. Praise God. That's enough. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And my need didn't start getting well. When I got there, it started getting it started getting better as soon as I as soon as I left for the trip. Started improving, started improving, and started improving. Well, you know, I had already believed I received my healing. Hallelujah. Faith acts. Faith acts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, that's the way it works. It'll work for you if you will call those things which be not, those things that do not exist as though they did. If you'll not walk by sight, but walk by 
the word of God. Walk by faith in what God said. Not looking to the circumstances. Saying what you believe. Declaring what you believe. And then acting like it's true. I'm telling you, you will have miracles in your life. One after another. Hallelujah. Too often people, they they want somebody else to pray for them. They want somebody to lay hands. There's nothing wrong with laying hands on the sick. We believe in that. But if you're ever gonna if you're gonna live the victorious life, you're gonna have to learn how to take it yourself and act like God's word is true. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.